Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new NBA season and a new season of the PBT podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Eland, Managing Editor of Pro Basketball Talk with you as always. Today, we're starting to dive into our preview of the NBA season. And hey, if you're going to start, you're going to start at the top with the Golden State Warriors, the two-time defending champions, the team to beat. Mark Medina is here with us to discuss them as he's been in the past. But first, just a quick reminder, we're going to be here all season with great podcasts. We're going to talk to players. We're going to talk to people around the league and media members. Really interesting analysis. So please subscribe. Go into iTunes or Google Play, your fav- wherever you find your podcast. We're everywhere. Subscribe for us. Comment. Tell us what you want to see, what you want to hear. And we will try to get to more and more of that. So without further ado, let's start breaking down the NBA season from the top. And as promised, we're bringing in Mark Medina from the Bay Area News Group to do this with us. Hey, Mark, how you been, man? How's it going? It's been good. Good uh, Good summer after a busy season. Been able to uh, squeeze some time uh, in Mexico, a friend's wedding in the, the wine country area. Went back to L.A. and uh, caught up with some folks, including yourself, and now back in the in the bag and ready for another fun season to start. Yeah, yeah, it is going to be an interesting season for the Warriors. And Mark, if you don't know, covers the Warriors for the Bay Area News Group, um, which is I mean, what the San Jose Mercury News and about forty-seven other papers up in that area. <laughs> Something yeah, like San that. San Jose Mercury News, East Bay Times. I'm sure a bunch of other dailies out there. So, all right. Well, I don't even know why we're doing this, Mark. I mean, honestly. They've ruined the NBA. The Warriors are just going <laughs> to run away with the title. There's no questions about this. It's a foregone conclusion. So why are we even doing this podcast, right? I know. Why are, Why is the NBA even having another season? They should just cancel and refund everyone's money. Exactly. I, uh, I actually had this conversation a few weeks ago with Rick Welts, the Warriors president. You know, he's He just got inducted into the Hall of Fame, and he was laughing about that whole notion because he remembers – when he was in the league office in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, particularly in the 90s, and, uh, you know, this guy named Michael Jordan was helping the Chicago Bulls win six NBA championships, and there was a lot of talk of, you know, are the Bulls hurting the NBA? And he was laughing that, yeah, they've done so much damage to the league and they haven't recovered since. So, uh, exactly. You know, there, there will be a 30 for 30 documentary and all the wreckage that the Warriors have inflicted on the league because they have so many All-Stars. Exactly. We could, we could go a couple directions with the this, this <laughs> silliness of this, but we'll go to the one that kind of set it off this summer, which was DeMarcus Cousins signing with the Warriors. We'll go there first. I mean, first off, like, when does he come back? Is there a notion within the team yet of what kind of... They, obviously, they're not going to have him on some sort of tight timeline yet, but do they, do they have any idea? Yeah, um... 
Yes and no. I actually talked with Steve Kerr not too long ago, about a week or so, and he said there's there's not going to be any formal timetable other than they're happy with his progress. He's starting to do some on-court work. I think that he's shown some Instagram videos where he's yeah. you know, knocking down some threes, he's dunking. I mean, I think it's been well-established, this whole era of Instagram videos, that no one ever does anything badly. On oh, yeah, pictures. exactly. So you have, to, you have to take it for a grain of salt, but... From what Steve Kerr said, uh, there hasn't been any setbacks, but at the same time, they've been of the mind that why have a timetable? Achilles' injury is is pretty serious, and also they don't want to rush him back because they have four other All-Stars. So I don't know uh, to what degree he's going to be able to do anything in training camp um, or if he's going to be even able to play in preseason or to open the season. Um, that That hasn't been established, but at the same time, when I did talk to Steve Kerr, uh, he was of the mind that it's all about the long view and there is going to be a scenario that he's going to miss some games. So at that point, it looks like that they're going to rely on, you know, some of their younger guys with Kevon Looney, Jordan Bell, Damian Jones. And it's, if I had a handicap, it's Steve Kerr really was talking about the idea of wanting to get Damian Jones some significant playing time at that center position because of his age. He's pretty young, but these last few years, they, they've been kind of gradually been developing them uh, with the, the D-League and the G-League team down in Santa Cruz, and now's the time for him to, to kind of show if he can turn a corner. Yeah, exactly. I, I would add, I, first off, the Instagram thing is funny. I've been comparing it, um, you know what it is? It's everybody's Facebook life. Like, all right. the dirt scrubbed Everything's out. Perfect. <laughs> Everything's perfect. My, my kids never fight. My kids are ideal <laughs> little angels, and, you know, and, and all this, like, they, they're all smiling in the pictures rather than my teenager scowling at me. Like it's, you know, it's, it's those Your Instagram. Father of the year, Kurt. Exactly. <laughs> um, so the face, it's it, those Instagram videos kill me. And I thought the same thing about cousins. I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see him till December or maybe even Christmas. Like there's no rush for them to get him back. It's not like that was part of the advantage for them signing him over. I know Dallas had some interest. There were other teams that looked at him, but those teams, unless you're the Warriors or, frankly, the Rockets, maybe Boston's in this group, you look if a couple others, but you're not making, you're making, you know, those teams are making the playoffs and they can wait. These other teams, there would have been pressure to get him back sooner because you, you've you got this investment. You're trying, you know, they're going to be battling. These other teams are battling to make the playoffs and there would have been pressure to bring him back. The Warriors don't have that pressure. Yeah, I mean, when you have four All-Stars and exactly. Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, there's a lot of things that they can kind of absorb that 29 other teams uh, can't afford to do so because of that talent and, and the culture that they've built. Uh, a quote that Bob Myers, the Warriors GM, said uh, during Summer League still sticks with me, where he said, the goal is for us to have DeMarcus be ready for the playoffs. That's where the end game is. And I don't want to say that that means they're going to be waiting for DeMarcus to just return in April. Um, I think ideally, when I followed this up with Bob Meyer since then, uh, in an ideal scenario, they have enough of a sample size of integration process of DeMarcus getting used to what his role is, getting used to what the pace is, getting used to the reality that he's not going to get the same amount of touches and, and points and shots and all those things. And so I think if I had to, had to look at those parameters in play, I think the most ideal circumstances, if he's ready after the All-Star break, 
the Warriors would be totally fine with that. And obviously, mm. if he's making so much progress that he's ready before them, hey, that's great for the Warriors. But they're not going to be pulling their hair out. They're not going to be consulting with the doctors and saying, hey, is there a way for them to accelerate DeMarcus's recovery? And yep. uh, I think you know only the Warriors can afford to do that. But also, I think it puts DeMarcus in an environment where he doesn't have to feel the pressure of coming back right away. He doesn't have to feel any frustration with any kind of setbacks. Now, again, Steve Kerr's told me there hasn't been any setbacks. But as, as you know and as I know with covering the Lakers when Kobe Bryant was coming back with his Achilles, that is no joke of an injury. No. And when you look at the success rate of players coming back from an Achilles, yes, there have been a handful of players coming back from an Achilles Kobe Bryant, Wesley Matthews, Rudy Gay, uh, Jonas Jarepko, who's now in the Warriors, Dominique Wilkins. But when you look at the sample size of all these players, basically Dominique Wilkins is the only quote-unquote success story where he was better than he was before his Achilles injury. Usually when these guys have come back, it's a much diminished version of what they've offered. And I think because of that, there's a lot of uh, I think question marks on what DeMarcus can show. I think the positive end is he's still 28 years old. He's he's young and he can be patient. But I think there is a question, even if he wasn't having this Achilles injury, can he adapt uh, to the pace that the Warriors are used to? You you think on one hand he can because he, he is such a versatile big man. He can play in the post. He can shoot the three. He can shoot the midway range jumper. Steve Kerr talks a lot about how much of a great passer he is. And he can probably set a lot of good screens to, to get these uh, all-star shooters open. But I, th- I think the question mark, even if he wasn't having an Achilles injury, is can he adapt to the pace that the Warriors are used to playing? Yeah, I think that that's part of it. I think part of it, one thing that's going to be interesting to watch with him is just beyond the Achilles rehab is the image rehab, which is part All of right. him getting... Look, he's playing for his next contract. This is a one-year deal. He almost certainly will not be back with the Warriors if he's healthy. Um, and he's playing to say, hey, not only, by the way, am I you know back physically, but I am, like, all this stuff, all the rumors about me, all the reports, frankly, like every almost every teammate and team that's ever dealt with him, I'm not that big a problem in the locker room. I'm not, you know, this is a guy you want in the, you know, on your team, leading your team. I'm worth this big money. So, I mean, that's part of it. It's also really, to me, going to be interesting when they come back to see how they use him. Because, you know, one of the things that I thought was such a great quote was, I believe this was Draymond Green talking about, you know, players they were trying to bring in this summer saying, we're not looking for 82-game players. We're looking for 16-game players. Right. It's it's about the playoffs. It's about... that's where his advantage is. I can see them. I mean, yeah, he's going to try to fit into the system and play whatever, but I think his real advantage comes in the playoffs or going against specific teams. Boston and Houston come to mind that switch a lot. You can just punish switches with this guy still. Like, if he's back to even 80% of himself, he's going to abuse switches. Um, and that's that's how everybody wants to defend the Warriors now. Yeah, and I think uh, when, when I've talked with Steve Kerr, it really seems like there's so much flexibility. I mean, he made it crystal clear. There is no scenario where DeMarcus is a bench player. He is the starter. Yeah. They're going to have five all-stars on this team starting for the Warriors. But I think you're going to see um, Steve Kerr staggering his minutes a lot with the second unit. And I think that that might address some of these question marks of – 
you know, how well will he adapt of not getting as many touches? Maybe he's fine with not getting touches with the All-Stars when he plays with them because, hey, when he plays with the second unit, he's going to be the guy. And then maybe there's an adjustment with how he plays with the pace. I mean, he is not used to playing at the kind of pace that the Warriors operate under. But maybe they can play at a more methodical pace with the second unit. I mean, when you look at when you look at the second unit with the Warriors, and I mean, for other teams that might be listening, other fans of other teams that might be listening, this is total arrogance season and total first world NBA problems. But if you're going to scrutinize the Warriors' weaknesses, it is their bench. They don't have a guy yeah. outside of Jonas Jarepko, um that's considered an elite shooter. And I think there's even questions with Jonas that, I mean, he has shown a pretty good track record of he's a good shooter, but he's not a volume shooter. And so when you're looking at that, uh, it's going to be on DeMarcus of kind of carrying the team and, and dominating the post and, and being able to spread the floor a little bit with his very range shot. And I think that has really fascinated Steve Kerr. And I think when you, when you take a step back and, uh, Kurt, and we're talking about his injury and his integration process and all these, you know, potential positives, potential negatives. I think that this really in, excites Steve Kerr, really excites Bob Myers, because I think in their own way, they're looking at the Warriors of how do they get these guys engaged? They were already bored with the regular season last year, and it, it wound up not being a problem. They survived Houston in a seven game series and beat Cleveland in the NBA Finals, but. As far as getting them interested, they're of the mind that it's going to be a challenge because how do you engage them? But Well, here is one thing that could keep the Warriors engaged. The ongoing season project of how do they integrate to Marcus? How do they bring the best version out of themselves, uh, out of DeMarcus? How do they hold him accountable? Uh, this is something that could entice the guy of the likes of Kevin Durant and and Draymond Green and that sort of thing, because if he wasn't on the team, they might just be bored with uh, all the games starting from October to April. That was actually one of the things I wanted to talk with you about, too. It's like, just how much is this team going to care during the regular season? (laughs) Not much. I mean, honestly, and and you saw it last year. I mean, if you do pre-post All-Star game with Andre Iguodala, his splits are insane. I mean, he, like, all right. I mean, part of there was some health stuff there, but part of it was... I got to get this. All right. Time to buckle down. Time to get focused. Draymond is arguably the best defender in the NBA. Certainly one of the handful of very best defenders in the NBA when he cares. But he really wasn't as engaged the first part of the season. The Warriors fell to ninth in defense, and there's more than just Draymond to that. But part of it was their level of engagement. They were able to pick that back up. Um, I mean, there's two parts to that for me. Part of their advantage, honestly is continuity now. I mean, yeah, you're trying to get Draymond worked in and you've got Jarebko and the bench is a little thinner, but when your core guys are back, continuity really helps, man. And right. it, it compared to the other teams who are going to challenge them in the West, Houston is adding Carmelo Anthony and they've been at it less time. You know, this is their second year really with all the core guys. The Lakers are certainly a complete turnover. Oklahoma City's got some changeover now and they're, they, they haven't really solved their thinness problems um, Utah's building continuity, but they're, you know, their best players, well, their best scorer is a second-year player. I suppose Rudy Gobert is probably their best player. Uh, but it, you look at the guys who have done this forever, and I think that that's a huge advantage that they can, for Golden State, that they know how to do things together. They know how how to play off of each other, and they can find that when they need to. Right. Uh, 
you know, to build off of that, just kind of piggybacking off my conversation a few weeks ago with Steve Kerr, I mean, he wasn't hiding behind the fact that he he knows that it's going to be hard to motivate these guys. Yeah. So um, he's he's kept it open, but I think he's going to continue the track of bringing in different guest speakers that are accomplished in different areas, whether it's in music or tech or anything as a way to keep them engaged. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, he, he's kept it open of curtailing the amount of practices, maybe making certain shoot-arounds optional to – all with the idea of preserving these guys and, and making them feel rested. But at the same time, they're almost kind of running two different parallel tracks where the end game for the All-Stars is about, you know, trying to find ways to not make them bored and excite them, but not overextend them with rest. And you're talking All-Stars, Audrey Guadalla, Sean Livingston. But on the other hand, as much as they do have continuity with those guys, there's a lot of newness with a lot of young players, um, you know they they drafted Jacob Evans uh, out of Cincinnati. Is he is he even going to play much? I mean, after I'll, I'll be honest with you, I saw him at summer league and went, yeah, boy, that's a G League for some time this year. Well, so that's the interesting thing, and I mean, it all depends on how well he plays. But going into the season, Steve Kerr is of the mind that he wants to get minutes for Jacob Evans, for Jordan Bell, for Damian Jones, for Kavon Looney. Um, who am I missing? Quinn Cook. Assuming Patrick McCall comes back, which hasn't technically been resolved yet, there's still that qualifying offer, and I think he, he's going to have to play I, for that. Yeah, yeah. The sense that I get is that uh, you know uh, his camp is just leaving open in case there's some kind of unforeseen injury opening training camp. Maybe he can join a team, but I think he's coming back. So when you're looking at those six guys, Steve Kerr is really paving the idea that. These guys are going to get significant minutes. They're going to get a lot of practice time in, uh, all with the idea of trying to accelerate those guys' development and also preserving the, the minutes for the All-Stars. Now, at the same time, with preserving the minutes for the All-Stars, when you looked at the minutes last year, um, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant were in the 34-minute range. Draymond Green, Clay Thompson were around 32 minutes. Steve Kerr said that he wants to keep those minutes. So it's not like, you know, they're going to be, you know, going any lower than that. But Andre Guadal, Sean Livingston, I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, games that they'll either rest or there might be a knickknack injury that they preserve. So, you know, there definitely are some question marks about, you know, all these young guys, including Jacob Evans, but... As of now, the, the, the plan is to get the minutes. And when I talked with Jacob Evans, when I've talked to people on the Warriors, I mean, I definitely think that they're not hiding behind the fact that he didn't shoot the ball well. Um, but I think because of how talented the Warriors are, their end game specifically with Jacob is, is he a, is he a guy that can buy the minutes? Is he a guy that can make some good defensive stops? And He's shown a track record of that in college. Now, the NBA is a whole other element, but I think when you're looking at how the Warriors are evaluating him, it's not so much of how well can he shoot the ball. If, that, if he does that, it's a bonus, but it's more of can he make stops and he can he give enough minutes where he's not screwing things up. Yeah. I think when you get into the regular season Warriors and, and how many games they win and, and how, how much they're able to coast, honestly – Big part of that is the can they keep Steph Curry healthy this year? Like their right. num when Steph Curry was out, their numbers were I mean, good not great team. Like he's 
you you got a real sense, yes, Kevin, look, Kevin Durant can put up numbers on any given night, and they've got plenty of talent around him, but there's a, look, the offense just doesn't flow the same way. He he creates the spacing. It's, it's his gravity that opens things up, his passing that opens things up, and and by the way, their defense wasn't like dramatically better. He's a better team defender than than I think he gets credit for. If he's not healthy, if he's not a hundred percent, or if he misses any time for a while, that's one of the things that can be a chink in the armor. Oh, without a doubt. And you know, I, I know that uh, some Warrior fans have been upset with me ever since the finals ended because I was one of the voters that said, you know what, Kevin Durant deserves the finals MVP. Absolutely. And I stand by that. He played better than Steph in the finals. But that vote was specifically finals. I wasn't looking at everything else. So with that being said, uh, as much as Kevin Durant might be their best player in the finals, Steph Curry, without a doubt, is their more valuable player. Not just because of his shooting, but because of what you said. With his absence, it changes the team dynamically and uh, or dramatically. And even on those worst-case scenarios, and it doesn't happen often because Steph is an unbelievable shooter, but when there are games where he is not shooting the ball well, um, he is still incredibly valuable and sometimes even still the most valuable because of the gravity that he commands uh, with defenses, with having to spread the floor and just having to defend him at half court. And I think, you know, again, to defend my finals MVP vote, it's really... Uh, a credit to Kevin Durant that even in those moments where Steph wasn't having the best shooting nights, but he was still taking advantage of the gravity that Kevin was just playing above and beyond. And I think as much as going to this season, Steph's completely healthy. You know, he had healed his ankle. I know that Steve Kerr had mentioned the possibility that um, he would be doing some things in the off season, not surgery, but just, things to clean up. So I'm curious to see to what degree he did do that, but he, he's going to the season fully healthy. Uh, so there's no question about that, but you know, Steph has kind of an ankle injury, uh, ankle injury history. So you never know, but at the same time, as, as much as that's important, as much as that's a game changer, barring, you know, a significant absence, barring a season long absence, the Warriors showed last season that they were pretty good with, kind of holding the fort down with Kevin increasing his role and his production and the shot volume. And then, you know, Quinn Cook was able to make his case of staying in the league and staying on the team when Steph was out. So, again, only the Warriors could have this luxury where if if Steph or any of the All-Stars, if it's one of those guys and only one of those guys that's out for an extended period of time, they have the infrastructure where they can lean on the three other All-Stars to hold everything down. Now, where I think there could be a point of contention and a challenge where they are vulnerable is if there's ever a time this season where you have two of the All-Stars injured at the same time, or heaven forbid, three or four of them, that's when things yeah. start to get interesting. Yeah, the, the depth. They're, they're not as deep a team as they were. I think, I mean, honestly... I don't know that I don't think they're a worse team than they were a year ago, but they're not or a couple of years ago, but they're not as deep. Like yeah. Andre Iguodala has aged, Sean Livingston has aged, the guys around them. I, I like the Jarebko signing, uh, especially you know two point two uh, is a, a good deal for him. I think he fits in pretty well for them, but they're still just like you said. Patrick McCaw's got questions. I like you know like Long Beach Poly's own Jordan Bell. I'm going to pimp the Long Beach while I can, but he's 
look, he's a, uh, he, I think he comes into his own, and I think he's going to be a good, you know, good role player. Like, he's not a future all-star, but he's a good, solid NBA player. And that said, I just, they don't have the depth um, if a couple of those guys go down. And that's, but I, again, that's two, you need two of them. But I, Curry, to me, if he's not right in the playoffs, that's when it, again, They'll be fine for the regular season. It's that it's those final sixteen wins where they really need him around because it does. I mean, they were able to get through the first round without him last year, but I mean, people forget, man. Even with him back last year, it, 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 there's this sense that last season was inevitable, right? Like, oh, they they were gonna win this thing from the whole. It's not like, by the way, they were down. And by the way, part of the reason for that is LeBron James was on a team probably worse than the team he's on right now. Like right. they got to the finals last year, but if you put LeBron's Laker team this season against against that Cavs team from last season, if Brandon Ingram's taken any kind of step forward, I kind of like those Lakers better. Um, and that said, so we kind of remember, oh, they swept them in the finals. They were down at halftime of Game Seven in the Western Conference Finals on the road. Right. Like this, they did not coast to this thing at all last season. It was there was a lot more work to it than it looked like. Right, and I know with Houston, I mean, the Warriors are, the, are of the mind because I think that they've taken a little bit of offense to Houston and, and some fans saying that, hey, if Chris Paul wasn't hurt, this would be a different series. But they always counter. If Andre Iguodala didn't get hurt, this probably would have been a series it's over with. But at the same time, yeah. as much as you can make a case for that because of how valuable Andre is and how much he covered up some of the, the bench's lapses, um, and it was a bridge between the All-Stars and those guys. Um, I think that it just illustrates that nothing is guaranteed in the NBA, particularly in the playoffs, as far as health is concerned. So as much as it might be a foregone conclusion for 29 teams and their fans to feel this way, and maybe even the Warriors to feel this way, because they survived that series and they got to Marcus Cousins, uh, if I'm Steve Kerr and if I'm some of these All-Star players – I should remember in the back of their mind how close they almost kind of escaped quote-unquote death with, you know, being down double digits in Game 7 against Houston where things could have completely turned the other way. They could have easily lost that game, and the whole narrative, that whole offseason, could have changed significantly. I mean, who knows? Maybe Kevin Durant decides he doesn't want to sign another one-year deal, and all of a sudden... You know, just going back to my conversations with Joe Lakeup, the majority owner, as much as the Warriors have stressed continuity and and wanting to know that, hey, they're not going to take for granted the all-star talent that they have and they have something special, he's always said that if they lose, like, that only increases the odds that he wants to go in a different direction. So as much as it might seem like, hey, things are kind of boring and steady with the Warriors, they were pretty close with it being a completely different thing. Yeah. And, you know, kind of to tie into the uncertainty of this season, uh, uh, this very well might be Kevin Durant's last yep. year with the Warriors. And you never know. Like, even if they win the title, um, in Kevin's mind, it might be almost kind of like what LeBron James felt like with Miami. Like, hey, he won – down there in Miami, he, he got what he needed to get out of, and now it's on to the next chapter. And, and that's going to be a very fascinating storyline because it's a very unique storyline. Like, I know that there were some frustrations that Kevin may have had last year with particularly that Houston series, and every now and then just kind of the X's and O's of how they tap into Kevin Durant's talent, 
versus everything else they have around him. But I think by and large, it was pretty positive. Like he loves that team. He loves the teammates. He loves being able to tap into the Bay area. But even if the Warriors do all the right things of winning and, and having the environment that makes Kevin Durant comfortable at the end of the day, and it's shown through how he's reacted publicly on social media and just his comments, like it still bothers him that narrative that he's taken the easy way out. And if he wins another title, it's not like that's going to suddenly go away because it hasn't gone away already. And so I always wonder, you know, to what degree would that factor into his decision-making? And the thing is, I, I have no idea. Like I, try to poke around and ask and it just seems like there's really an element of unknown throughout the league of, of what makes Kevin tick and and ultimately what's going to factor into what his future will be yeah there seems to be when you talk there's, there's different schools of thought of especially if they won again this year that oh he would never leave this team now if they've you know won three straight and all this and there's this other side that's like no he wants he's ready to go have his own team like he was right. he had his team with Westbrook now he's on Cur and and you know, by the end of that, personality wise, it might have been a little more Westbrook's team th- than his. And then you know, obviously, well, Dur- I would say Durant is their best player. That's still Curry's locker room. That's still Curry's. Um, he sets the tone there. He wants his own team, which, by the way, Laker fans means he's not coming to you to be in LeBron's shadow. Um, <laughs> he is not playing for the Lakers. I am willing to lay down yep. whatever money you want me to lay down. He is not going to wear a Laker uniform next Okay, year. so can we just rule that out? I, yeah, it's funny because I know people have talked about that, and I know that like Eric Pincus wrote a thing, at our, our friend Eric, wrote yeah. something at uh, at Bleacher Report about how the Lakers could afford him and then kind of was like on Twitter, like, I didn't say they're going after him. I said they could afford him. And the, yeah, they can afford this. They'll, with the dang thing, they can now afford a Supermax. That's a whole different conversation. But yeah, KD, if he goes somewhere, it, to me, it's almost more Knicks or something where he would be the man in a, in a market, right? right? You know, and, and I'm not just, I know the Knicks are interested in Kyrie and there's all this other stuff going on. But he seems like that's the one that's more, like you said, unpredictable. Nobody's quite sure what he's going to do next summer. Where, on the flip side, your other free agent, Clay Thompson, I, I good luck finding anybody around the league who thinks he's leaving. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, seriously, and I was just about to say that with, well, first thing, I just want to tie up with Kevin Durant, where all po- great points that you made, but the thing that even makes it more complicated is, when he's been on the Warriors, and one of the reasons why he's been on the Warriors and he likes being there is he's even told me and others, like, he doesn't want to be, quote-unquote, the guy. He doesn't want to be the leader. Like, he's even yeah. said that he's not necessarily a face of the franchise, and he's fine with that. And he's taken a leadership approach on another way of, instead of being the guy that's speaking publicly or being... uh the guy that chews people out, he's a little bit more behind the scenes. So I don't think he's necessarily consumed with that. But back to the criticism, I think he is a little bit consumed yeah. with wanting to prove that he can win, you know, yep. without these, you know, brevia talent of, of uh, that the Warriors have, this, this embarrassment of riches. Uh, but again, who knows what's going to happen? By the I way, mean, it's not like everyone around Kevin Durant. By the way, isn't like, dude, stop engaging people on the on right. going to the they Warriors tell, on social media. It. Stop <laughs> it. Let it. If if you just say I'm happy, I'm winning, it's all good. Like I made the best decision for me. This dies. But he 
he he's a little thin-skinned. He cannot quite let that go. Right. And that's another thing that's very complicated about him because when you talk to him person to person, day to day, as a beat writer, like you feel like there's parts of him that he feels comfortable in his own skin. He's willing to have a conversation with you where it's not, you know, robotic and it's not within the confines of being interviewed. Like he likes the old school give and take. And you think at those points, hey, he's a guy that's willing to engage. But then when you see kind of the social media behavior, you wonder, you know, to what degree is yeah. uh, is it tilted? I mean, bottom line is it's complicated and it's hard to uh, get a read on him. But a guy that's not hard to get a read on, what you alluded to, is Clay Thompson. I, I talked with him earlier this summer. He was having a foundation event um, in San Francisco. And he was saying, yeah, my... He reiterated, he said, I've said it time and time again, but he wants to reiterate, like he wants to be a warrior for life. And not only those public comments, but just knowing kind of behind the scenes what's going on, like he doesn't want to go anywhere. Like he doesn't want to be the guy. He he, he doesn't worry about getting a max contract. I mean, the devil's going to be in the details of, of course, he's like any NBA player. Uh, he wants to stay true to, seeing how he can maximize his value. And that's a reason why he's not going to do the extension offer that's on the table right now. Right. Like he'll wait until he becomes a free agent. But the way it's been explained to me is be prepared for this likely scenario to happen that, uh, he waits for what Kevin Durant does, not necessarily to see where he goes, but because he knows the warriors want to, to, to address that first. And as soon as that happens and there's clarity and, one way or the other, he says, okay, let's reach a deal to come back to the Warriors. And maybe to some degree, Durant's contract or deal influences that because, hey, maybe if he leaves, maybe there's more money for the Warriors to give Clay because they have some to, to work with. But, you know, when I'm hearing and reading these things about the Lakers are seeing Clay Thompson as their top priority, I mean, uh, I, I think Rob. Lincoln and Magic Johnson are doing great things with the, with the Lakers, but um, I kind of wonder if that's a good idea. Like, I think it's a good idea if they're not putting all their eggs in that basket, but if they are, that's a problem because I don't see Clay going anywhere, and I can guarantee that he is coming back to the Warriors. The only uncertainty is what the dollar amount's going to be, and that hinges on you know where Durant ultimately goes and what kind of compromise both parties can make, but he's of the mind of being very open to that. Like he's not going to try to squeeze every single penny and everything about the Warriors that make him special. Like he very well recognizes that that can't be duplicated anywhere. So yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he's going to be back. Yeah. With the I, Warriors, I, I, I don't see, I don't know anybody who thinks he's leaving. And I honestly, I think what the, the thing that came out with the Lakers was more about like, and they're right about this. If you're talking about the potential free agents and fit, with LeBron, then then look, if it's fit with LeBron, and again, I, I think Ingram's going to take a step forward, be like their third guy, and then they're going to go get a whoever the number two is. Um, Yeah, Clay makes a lot of just pure basketball sense, but I don't know any, like I said, I and I can't believe Robin Magic, I don't know anybody who actually thinks he's leaving. It's also, look, he's not the kind of guy, you mentioned it, he's not the kind of guy who's like, man, I need my own team. I need my ego stroked. And the other part of it is, and there's a there's a bevy of these guys in the league. Um, Curry, I guess, a little bit. I, Larry Nance Jr. comes to mind. Some other guys. 
both sons of players or people who, for you know, Kevin loves a different situation, but like people who grew up with a little bit of money, your relationship to money and maxing it out is just your 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 relationship to money is different. Like if right. you didn't, if you grew up like LeBron or Carmelo or you know the the kind of cla- you know Derek Rose, these kind of classic NBA stories of, of rather poor guys using basketball to escape in a lot of ways and it becoming this thing. Like there's look, that's a I don't want to say just a narrative. That's a real story and it really impacts how people are. But that's not Clay Thompson's reality. He grew up really comfortably. Dad was a you know an all a first number one overall pick and a, a Lakers Showtime player and. He, it was a different relationship to money. So he's not necessarily the guy who's like, he's willing to give up some money to keep a situation and a work environment that he likes in an area he likes, where that's not necessarily what Carmelo would do. Um, but that's just because they come from very different places. Without a doubt. And I think with Michael, as much as he would love for his son to play with the Lakers, he's also a smart guy. So I know that, I mean, he's told me that he's told Clay, like, be very aware, well aware of how special you have it right now, and you yeah. don't want to leave a championship team. And Clay's his own guy, so it's not like he's just consulting his dad. But this is one of many perspectives he's getting, and Clay is of the same mind. And at the same time, as much as he grew up, you know, at uh, and played at Santa Margarita High, and he grew up a Lakers fan, loves Kobe Bryant. Like I don't think his personality would really be like in tune with LA. Like he would be a great fit. No doubt about it with the team. He would play well. He he would really help the team, but I don't think he would like kind of the environment. Like he doesn't necessarily like to do interviews. Um, I mean, he's a really great guy and, and fun to talk to, but he just doesn't like having to do that kind of thing. I don't think he would like, handling the TMZ stuff like he doesn't get phased by it like I don't think he would get upset or up in arms he's kind of in his own world but like that's not part of his thing he loves the Bay Area because it's so relaxed there's so much to do he as of a he's a guy like a lot of the guys on the Warriors that really adheres to like the work-life balance and so he loves you know, going out to different parks and he loves exploring and hiking and trying different restaurants uh, without all the kind of attention that some place like L.A. would bring. Because L.A. has all those things as well, but there's a lot more uh, attention that comes with that. So basically the Bay Area and the Warriors, like they have everything that Clay wants and there's no reason that he would want to leave. I mean, only heaven forbid they just say, hey, Clay, can you sign him the minimum? Like, okay, there, that's where it's going to be, okay, draw a line in the sand. But the Warriors aren't going to do that. Joe Lacob is a guy that even with these luxury taxes that he's having to pay, if these moves help the Warriors win, he will do it. And at the same time, they're going to be moving to Chase Center in Mission Bay in San Francisco next season for the 2019-20 season. Uh, it's a billion-dollar privately financed arena, so they are taking all the money up front with having to pay it. But they're going to get a hundred percent of the profits, and they're going to get a boatload of money with that. And so, as much as they might be having to pay luxury taxes, that is going to allow them to absorb that significantly. Yeah, exactly. I I think that that's that new building is something that's uh, people underestimate when they talk about how big this 
rightfully talk about how big these salaries can get for this team and everything else. Like they're moving into a building where they can eat that for a few years and be okay. Um, by the way, you talked about Clay not wanting to deal with the zoo of being in Los Angeles, specifically kind of soap opera and attention that comes with being a Laker. Everybody listening, just remember that when you're starting to think about where Kawhi Leonard is going to play next season. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I'm just saying, think about that. Um, I will, I think we've covered a lot of it. I wanted to say, do they, I, I imagine management does when they look out at Houston and now what, you know, a healthy Boston and some of the other teams potentially out there. I'm not, I mean, honestly, outside of those two teams on paper, can anybody, well, I'm not sure, can anybody beat the Warriors if they're healthy, period? I, I'm not, I'm not convinced they are. If the Warriors are healthy in the playoffs, at least their core guys are healthy, I, I'm not sure the rest of it's going to matter. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think when you look at Houston, they, they've gotten worse this offseason with yeah. losing Trevor Reza, losing Luke Bamute, and I think that there's a fair question mark that a lot of people have around the league. Can Chris Paul stay healthy? He has yeah. not had a good track record with that. So as much as uh, the Warriors had their eyes open with Houston, uh, I mean, they haven't said this. I'm just you know looking at it from my own perspective. If I'm them... I wouldn't look as at Houston as threatening, but it would be a pretty competitive series. I think that they have their eyes on Boston. I mean, even last year, you know, Steve Kerr would talk a lot about how much Brad Stevens reminds him of, of himself. With uh, they have a relationship, but also his success with really being part of that rebuild and being able to, you know, be very competitive despite the fact that they didn't have Gordon Hayward to open the season. You know, after the season opening injury. Um, and then, you know, losing Kyrie Irving for an extended period of time. And I remember when they lost to Boston, uh, you know, the first go around, you know, Seth Curry was kind of being a little tongue in cheek saying, yeah, I hear the weather's really nice here in June. Uh, I might be back here. Um, I, I think the Warriors were kind of split. Like they thought, okay, they're going to play Cleveland because LeBron is LeBron and uh, that's been kind of a tradition, but I think that they want to be surprised they play Boston. So I think that's the team that they, they feel is most threatening. And I could see a scenario where the Celtics could beat the Warriors, but at the same time, I think that all hinges on the Warriors not being fully healthy. And I think the Warriors will adhere to that um, because they know that's the number one variable and they're going to be very cautious. And outside of DeMarcus, all these guys are healthy. They're all you know, Steph Curry is the only guy that's above 30 years old. Uh, everyone else is still in their late 20s. And going into the season, there's no there's no debilitating things that they have to address outside DeMarcus. And, you know, that is a question mark. But at the end of the day, the Warriors have won two championships in the last two years with four All-Stars. So worst-case scenario, DeMarcus isn't fully healthy or fully integrated or maybe despite the th- – right things he's saying right now buying into a role he just doesn't see it like the Warriors can get by with that and it's yeah. only because of it being the Warriors exactly I think it's going to be an interesting I again the playoffs are the playoffs I don't think if they're healthy there's a Boston can be a threat Houston can push them a little I as much as I like Utah and Oklahoma City on some level I don't think that they're on that level yet but in the regular season I think that that is going to be a challenge for the Warriors the West is just deep with good teams now. Like, uh-huh. I mean, and you think about, we talked, I, Houston got a little bit worse. I'm with you. Um, but 
Beyond that, I think every other team got a little bit better. All the way down to like Phoenix is going to be better. <laughs> you know, they've right. they've got they've got a reason now. They've got DeAndre Ayton in the middle. I I like Bagley some. I'm not. A, I think he, Sacramento may be the worst team in the West now, but they're better than they were a year ago. Fox should be able to take a step forward. Um, and then you start getting into everybody else. Like the Clippers aren't going to be terrible if until they get injured. But but I mean, like <laughs> Denver is going to be good. You know San Antonio is going to be good every night. Oklahoma City, New Orleans, just up right. and down the list in the West. There's really not going to be nights off. And and that, I think, is going to be a little bit of a regular season challenge for them. Where if you don't, there used to be nights where you're like, oh, man, we're playing the Kings. We don't need to be focused tonight. Not anymore, man. You better bring it or any team in the West is going to at least challenge you. Right. And I think... This could be good for the Warriors if they respond accordingly. I think all these teams in the West, and you listen to them all, and obviously the Lakers are going to be significantly better with LeBron being on there. I think that that could be enough to force the Warriors not to sleepwalk through games, but not enough to actually make them feel challenged. And in a way, that actually might be easier because the only way they, they lose these games is if they don't care. But if they care, all of a sudden their talent prevails. And it, it, it explains why the Warriors would go on all these third-quarter runs last yeah. season where they're down by double digits and all of a sudden <laughs> you look up you know, three minutes into the third quarter and they're up by 20, right? Um, and so I think with all those things, you know, LeBron going to the Lakers, the Clippers – kind of being in that middle area where they're not bad enough to be a lottery team, but they could be a team that's on the outside looking in of, you know, sneaking into a final playoff spot. I think, I think they're going to, I think they're going to end up in the lottery only because the West is stupid deep. I mean, yeah. I think, lottery or maybe injuries, I mean, right? But, yeah, uh, exactly. Their injuries. But I mean, again, Portland was the three seed last year and I think they might miss the playoff. Like it's that kind of West this year. Right. But I, I don't think at the end of the day, um, any of these guys, any of these teams threaten the Warriors at all. The gap is still yeah. wide. So I think right now it's almost like a year that gives the Warriors time and these teams time where the Warriors can rely on the all-star talent they have, some of the continuity they have with Iguodala and Livingston, and then buying a year of seeing how well can these young guys develop so that when – they are at this point in the fork of the road where maybe they can't keep everyone together. or Maybe, you know, Andre and Livingston are too old to, to keep, or they can't extend their career that they can plug them in, but also for all these other teams to develop. And then obviously a trade deadline and free agency to make more moves. I think next season will be the question of, Hey, do the Warriors have enough, um, to be able to withstand whatever moves all these teams made. And I'm looking at the Lakers. Obviously, they now have cap space uh, to get another guy with clearing Lowell yeah. Deng's contract and buying that out. And, you know, Daryl Morey's always going to be a guy that's looking to make moves. And and Oklahoma City Thunder, I, I don't think they, they'll advance far, but they brought back Paul George and, they still have Westbrook. They'll be, still be a competitive team. Can they add on the fringes there? And then these teams in the Pacific Division, you know, the Clippers, like they might either be middling or they're a lottery team, but I think that there's a very strong feeling that next year they're going to be strong players in yeah. free agency and just being able to uh, 
have another good draft. I mean, I think already there's a lot of optimism with uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander of, yep. you know, what can he provide? Like, he is a guy that can, you know, play the one, two, or three. He's athletic. Uh, you know, he, he can play different styles. And, uh, you know, when you're looking at the Suns and, and the Kings, I mean, they're going to be toward the bottom of the league, especially with Devin Booker now opening training camp with the possibility yeah, he's of, out you know, for... not being available. But the MO on those two teams, it's really just about developing um, their young guys and, and not about wins and losses. And, you know, they have Trevor Reza, who's a veteran guy that can kind of have some, you know, say in the locker room while also playing significant minutes where, you know, when you look at, year before like Jared Dudley was a great locker room guy but like he's not he's not really having substantial on-court value and then with with the Kings like they don't have as many as the vets as they had last year so now it's all about just what uh developing the young guys but I think next year they could kind of uh reach that next plateau of making some noise so next year Maybe NBA fans think this year is a waste and why watch the games. The Warriors are just going to win. But it's almost kind of a prelude into all these tectonic plates shifting for what could be an amazing 2019-20 season. Yeah, exactly. I think it does set up like that. And I think that that's one of the things, if you're with the Warriors, you are thinking about is, is the how much longer. I mean, we talked about maybe Durant leaving, but even if he came back, I don't know that... Is there a sense around the team? To me, it seems like he's the first guy gone, one way or another. That he's the first guy in, but la- I mean, last guy in, but he'll be the first guy out. Um, but you, hey, Draymond's in there, and he's a bit unpredictable. And I, you know, it's just going to be interesting how much longer they can keep this together. And by the way, how much they can keep the pieces around them together. I mean, Iguodala starting to show his age. Livingston's starting to show his age. There's guys that they're going to lean on, but this thing isn't going to last forever. Right. And the thing with, I mean, Duran, I feel like it's one extreme or the other. Like, he's either leaving or staying this this next coming summer. But if he stays, I think he's going to do the five-year deal. Oh, really? So, in one respect, like, okay, there's clarity of they're going to have him and Steph for these next few years. So then it's about, okay, do they reach en- a, enough of a number that makes Clay feel respected? Um, but he'll be back. And then the next domino that could fall is Draymond. And as of now, I mean, he's adhering to number one. I mean, he's not going to take an extension offer because so much can change from now until then of is Durant still on the team? How does the team look like? How is Draymond looking as a player? Um, but as of now, like he's of the mind of why take a significant pay cut? Like he has, shown that he is much better than a number 35 pick in the 2012 NBA draft. And as much as we've talked about, hey, Kevin Durant was the finals MVP, Steph is the most valuable player, I think you could make the case that Draymond, he's not better than Steph, but he's a guy that is a lot more difficult to replace. And I'm not saying you can replace Steph, but the qualities that Draymond has – I would venture to say no one else in the NBA has as far as that unique combination of being an amazing defender, can play multiple positions, can defend at multiple positions, is that intense leader, 
even though he's not the number one guy on the team. And he's, you know, he has a decent outside game. And, you know, no one can duplicate the gravity and the amazing shooting that Steph has, but there's a lot of good shooters, there's a lot of good scorers. So when you're kind of debating the things, like how do you replace a Draymond Green on that team? You can't. And so I think in that respect, he has a lot of value uh, monetarily that the Warriors are going to have to adhere to. But at the same time, you wonder how he, how is he going to look as a player in two years? He's 20 yep. years old right now. He's had some injuries these last uh, this last year. Not nothing significant, but enough that you wonder. Okay, once he gets older, will this wear him down? And he has the smarts and the versatility to adjust his game as Father Time continues to knock on his door once he gets older. But a huge part of Draymond's green is is being physical. And if you want to have that fiery presence, you have to be willing to to not only give blows but absorb blows. But if uh, you're dealing with injuries, uh, you're not really in a position as much to be able to do that. And that has a trickle-down effect of you know, how much does his fiery demeanor really have this kind of impact on the team. And I think that's a fascinating thing to look at moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be, look, the Warriors are going to be the team to beat this year. They've got some questions going forward, but at the end of the day, Mark, um, I, I, I can, I feel comfortable booking my June hotel rooms in the Bay area. And, you know, I can always yeah. cancel them at the last minute if I need to. <laughs> I feel comfortable uh, booking my hotel rooms in Boston. I think we're going to yeah. see a Warriors uh, Celtics finals. Yeah. Uh, Cause I just don't, I mean, LeBron leaving Cleveland. Uh, I know obviously Toronto got Kawhi Leonard and I think that's just uh, the one, I think that's the one team that if Kawhi and, and this is the, if, if Kawhi's Kawhi, right. right. I mean, you know, if he's top five guy, then it becomes really interesting. But the other, I mean, boy, just not to go down that rabbit hole, but the other thing that's interesting with them I mean, you put a new coach in that situation, and Nick Nurse is a guy who deserved a shot, but hey, welcome to the pressure cooker, man. Like, this is your one right. shot to keep Kawhi Leonard and potentially, you know, even making the finals would be such a huge step for that for that franchise. Like, good luck. Hey, welcome, new coach. <laughs> <laughs> right. On top of that, I was saying, hey, you know, Philly's a young up-and-coming team. They're going to turn a corner, but I, I still think Boston made so much headway this past season and the fact that Kyrie Irving's going to be healthy now, Gordon Hayward's going to be healthy now. I, I feel like it's going to be like how it was in other years where it was Cleveland and the rest of the teams in the East. And now I feel like it's going to be Boston, and the rest of the teams in the East. So yep. um, I, I do hear as well as what Steph Curry's heard that uh, the weather's nice in June over there. <laughs> I, 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 Boston is, I, I, I am all good with that. Bo- Toronto, frankly too, because Boston and Toronto are two of my, favorite cities on the tour and Bay Area is right up there as well. You know, it's, 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 there's a lot of great cities around the league, but those are three of my top five or seven easily. Um, they're so they can, they can keep doing these finals for a long time and I'm, I'm okay with it. Just, uh, just on a personal note. So, yeah, well, the question I have for you, Curtis, well, we're talking about traveling, we'll be able to see a, uh, a, Oakland, San Francisco, L.A. playoff trip, and what round do you think? Oh wow! You know, honestly, that could be, it could be a first, really, couldn't it? Yeah. I mean, because the Warriors yeah. again, the Warriors are probably the one or two seed based on how 
health versus how much they care versus how driven, like Houston was driven to get that one seed last year. Um, but they've obviously got to integrate. So they'll end up the one or two seed. But I, I genuinely don't, I think the Lakers, I have them fifth. And if you told me they were seventh, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, I, it'll be interesting to see how that, like you said, the West is just so tight. Um, I tend to put, you know, Golden State, Houston, one, two, Utah and Oklahoma City, three, four, only because I trust them more. Like Utah's going to defend every night and they've got Gobert if he can stay healthy. But like, I trust them to be in games. Oklahoma City defends really well and they've got two elite players. I trust them a little more than I trust the Lakers yet. Right. Um, or again, now you're getting into like, we didn't even mention Portland, New Orleans, Denver, San Antonio. Like it's just there's so many good teams in the West right now, and I'm probably leaving teams off the top of my head. Um, yet it's just yeah, I, I a first round matchup where you know a two seven matchup between the Lakers and Warriors really isn't out of the question at all. Yeah, I would love it. I mean, I get to go down to LA, catch up with uh, you and other yeah, folks yeah. in the area, and see some good basketball. I mean, I don't think. The Warriors should have a problem playing the Lakers. Um, you know, I, I think they would beat them in five like, or six games, hey, but it would still be fun seeing LeBron. The would love it. They, they do have a lot of respect for the young players, so I think that that could just be an exciting matchup, even if you know it, there's not any question of what the result will be. Yeah, you know who would love that is ESPN and TNT too. They, oh yeah, I mean, without it's, a doubt. it's not it's not a, it is not a coincidence that Christmas Day is. Lakers Warriors like yeah I was surprised I thought it would be Rockets Warriors I thought it would be Rockets too I know LeBron moves the needle and the Lakers move the needle but I I thought that you know game seven West Finals of last year had something uh, intriguing as well but yeah you and me both you and me both man all right Mark I look forward to seeing you everybody can find you on Twitter at Mark G underscore Medina and a website at mercurynews.com and got my own pot, podcast, the Planet oh, thank you podcast. That's up and running on iTunes as well. I totally forgot to plug that at the beginning, so I, please go out and, and check that out as well. Mark, I'm sure I will talk to you over the course of the season. Thank you very much for being here, buddy. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Always fun to uh, talk basketball with you. Cool. And thank you, everybody, again for listening. Again, we will be back at least once or twice a week during the preseason and twice a week during the regular season with all sorts of interviews and analysis. Uh, Please keep coming back. Again, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. We are there. Of course, the Stitcher app's fantastic. And, of course, you can find it at NBCSports.com, plus all our previews which start this week and everything else. So thank you very much for listening, and we will uh, be back soon. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.